I love you, God, and I love you, my friends and neighbors. I'm sure Father Daryl is over here, they're steeped in anxiety that I will not say anything else. In our staff meeting, I told him that I would get up here today and say that first line I just said, and then sit down. I would never do that. <laughs> but it did get me thinking a little bit more about this gospel and the love that Jesus spoke about in his answer to the Pharisees. We enter this passage today knowing that these last three weeks we have read chapter 22 in Matthew that deals with various groups trying to trick or deceive Jesus into doing something wrong. These groups can discredit him if they got him something wrong. Last week we heard the Sadducees fail at this task. Now up to bat are the Pharisees. When I hear this passage, I visualize the Pharisees all gathered around in a huddle of some sort with a board or a table in front of them plotting their next move, like one of those old World War II documentary clips. Once they have their plan plotted out, they send their representative, a lawyer, to ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus cleverly says, you shall love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. What Jesus said is a quote from Deuteronomy 6, also known as the Shema. The Shema builds on the first commandment to have no other gods and adds love. The Shema is something that every Jewish person in the first century would have known and recited every morning. They learned it from early childhood. Now Jesus could have stopped there, but he added, the second is like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This comes from Leviticus 19. Jesus adds the second to show that love of God is not enough. To love God, you must also love one made in the image of God, your neighbor. So that gets us to the question, are words enough to love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself? It got me thinking, what if I did do that, as I said, and I say, I love you, God, I love you, my neighbors, and my friends, at the beginning of the service, or after the service when I greet you, or when I'm walking on the street and have a conversation with someone. That's what this passage is about today, right? I do not need to say anything else. I have loved God by saying it, and I have loved my neighbors, my friends in Christ gathered here today by saying it. This is what Jesus asked us to do and continues to ask us to do, to love God and our neighbor, right? It makes me think, are the words enough? Or is Jesus asking more of us? In a marriage or a partnership, words are not always enough. When Jerry, my wife, and I were in our engaged encounter retreat, when we were still in the Roman Catholic Church, the retreat's proctors told us, sometimes love is not enough. She was talking about the words that we use, the words, I love you. She was saying that the love that we have for each other the affection, the urge to say, I love you, high to the mountaintops, may always be there. But that love takes more than words. That love takes actions, things that we do to show that love we have for each other. 
It wouldn't be fair if I show affection or said I love you every day to Jerry and at the same time not do anything to show that love, like doing the dishes, taking the kids to school, letting her sleep in when it's been a long night, or getting up with the baby, or taking her out. Those words and affection would lose their meaning over time if there were nothing tangible in those words. The tangible part makes these words comforting, meaningful, and real. I think this is what Jesus is getting to with the greatest commandment that we shall love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and our love our neighbor as ourself. Loving God and neighbor is not an ask of us by Jesus. Jesus is not asking us to love God and neighbor when it's convenient for us or when something has happened. Jesus says, you shall love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. As a follower of Christ, this is a requirement of us, not an easy one always, but an expectation that we shall love God and our neighbor. The other day I was watching a cooking show, some other TV show that was, it was something that was not taking much brain power. And as usual, my mind started to wander as it does, and this passage was fluttering through my mind, sticking on the word love. So I put a reminder to myself to look up the Greek translation for love in this passage because I knew that there were multiple translations. As I watched the show, a commercial came on for New York Life Insurance about an hour later. The commercial started, the ancient Greeks had four words for love. My ears immediately pricked up. The commercial continued. First is philia. This is love as affection that grows over time. The second is storge, an affection that grows of a parent, grandparent, or sibling. The third, eros, the uncontrollable urge to say, I love you. The fourth is different. It's the most admirable. It is called agape. Love as an action. It takes courage, sacrifice, and strength to act in love. The love in our passage today is a contraction of the form of agape. Jesus is asking us to have the most admirable love, which takes sacrifice, courage, and strength. More than just words. Jesus tells us that we shall have this acting love for God and our neighbor. Now, you may be asking yourself, how do I love God and my neighbor in this manner of active love? And luckily for us, it's right there in the passage. Jesus tells us how. He said to love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. God, who you love above all else, with all of yourself, the good, the bad, the ugly, with all of your being. There is to be nothing before God. Some of the ways that we love God in action are through worship, prayers, and giving thanks for the abundance of grace that we have received from God. But I think the essential act of love for God is the second like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
Loving God with your be- all your being means loving your neighbor, the one that is created in the image of God. The act of love for neighbor is a challenging commission by Jesus to follow. How do we love all our neighbors? The ones that we found, or the, the ones that we are fond of, are easy to love. The ones that we are not particularly fond of are a little bit harder to love. But that's what we are called to do. Jesus gives us a map for how we should act out that love of neighbor. He said to love them as yourself. So, when you are looking at the neighbor that is made in the image of God, the one that sits socially distanced next to you in the pew, the one that sits on the other side of the church, the neighbor that is homeless or food insecure, the one that identifies differently than you, or the one that has a different sexual orientation than you, the one that is a different color, race, or culture than you. I want you to think about how you would like to be treated. You would want them to know you, feed you, affirm you, fight for your justice and equality. These actions of love are what Jesus is calling us as followers to do. Act in love on behalf of our neighbor. And do so as you would want them to act in love on behalf of you. The greatest commandment is not just empty words said to God and neighbor, but acts of love that bring, them, bring us closer to God and our neighbor, the one made in the image of God. So, go out into the world and act in love as Christ loves us. Amen.